Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as always, in this new year even, he's still around. It is my co-host, Mark A. Johnson. Mark, happy new year. Happy new year, Jeff. Boy, I, I feel I feel kind of refreshed and ready to rumble. We kind of had some time during the holidays, and, and uh, now I'm even more excited to talk about baseball. This is a baseball history podcast, so let's talk about some stuff that is even yet further back. Let's get started here with our first BP of the new year of 2021, and I talked a little, a couple of episodes about, ago about Omar Vizquel and Cameo and his profile where he it at one point said he was a Hall of Famer. It just said Hall of Famer. Now it yeah. has been updated. I've been told it was updated. I just went and, and looked. It now reads that he is a member of the Cleveland Baseball Team Hall of Fame. So oh, he's, there you go. he's updated a little. And I think that's probably, with what's happened recently, <laughs> probably going to be as close as he gets to a Hall of Fame. I was, though, looking through some other cameo accounts for baseball. And I talked about this last show or maybe the show before you can get a personalized message recorded to you by a former major league baseball trainer if you want to i don't wow. know i don't know why you would and nobody has done it yet but you can yeah me neither yeah <laughs> sounds exciting yeah so the most expensive baseball players on cameo just take a take a wild guess as to who they might be and i'll just tell you they're they're pretty recent players Sure, sure. Just judging from who might need the money. and uh, <laughs> These guys do not need the money, I will tell you that. Oh, it's not well, Pete Jose Canseco is not one of them. Oh, he's 125 for a message. Yeah. But for $750, you can get Whoa. Mariano Rivera or David Ortiz to record a personal message for you. Wow. Um, also, Roger Clemens uh, comes in at $500. I mean, he's he probably needs the money. He doesn't need the money. Yeah, uh, right. This one was a bit shocking. For three hundred dollars, Ryan Howard will give you a personal <laughs> message. Ryan Howard, three hundred. Three hundred bucks. I mean, first of all, remember this contract that this guy signed at age like thirty-two or 30, 31, 32, something like that. Was a just a huge contract. Three hundred dollars for for Ryan Howard. Or $50 for Hall of Famer Lee Smith. I mean, <laughs> come on. I know which one of those I'm going with anyway, but that's, right. that's a pretty big difference. I looked at some other accounts there. If you want the organist from the Rangers, he'll do it for 20 bucks. Uh, there are also some baseball podcasts that are willing to record messages for you. And we're not one of them, right? No, well, not yet. I'm. All right. I'm, I'm we'll thinking, yeah. This was my favorite, though, and I'm really, I am really tempted to do this. We might need to go fund me for this. For a hundred dollars, Brett Saberhagen. Oh, you know oh, what man. I want him to do. Oh, you want him to rap? I want him to rap. <laughs> I 100% <laughs> want to know if for a hundred dollars, Brett Saberhagen will maybe uh, maybe drop a remix because they got the trucks that are on the ball from work to play they've got it all they've got a base that's a real steal and here's another very good deal Ooh, that would be pretty amazing do you remember uh tioshi sinju uh no 
No. <laughs> he played in the big <laughs> leagues for three years. He was one of that, the first big wave, I mean, you know, of, of Japanese players. I remember because I was at the Braves when he came over. He signed with the Mets initially, and he was one of the first guys that in that big wave. So there was like 30 people covering him for a guy that played sparingly but he played in 2001 he was on the Mets then he went to the Giants the next year and then he played again for the Mets in 2003 he had a pretty long career in Japan he was uh, he came up with the with the Hanshin Tigers then he when he came back or came back when he went back from from Major League Baseball he played a couple of years with the Ham Fighters as well he retired 14 years ago he is 48 years old right now, but that did not stop him last month from trying out with a group of free agents uh, nice. looking for a contract. I don't know if you want to call it a surprise, but he was not offered a contract. The, uh, the mm. article that I read from the uh, Asahi Shimbun wrapped up the story by saying that, quote, Shinjo's attempt no doubt pulled at the heartstrings of many middle-aged and elderly people end quote 48 is apparently elderly mark wow man that 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 hurts that, that does, really hurts that does hurt <laughs> <laughs> the uh, speaking of baseball that's going on right now the abl started last week we've talked about the australian baseball league before yes. last year when they were playing and then you know a speculation about felix hernandez which i have not heard anything recently but we also talked about manny ramirez signing with the sydney blue Sox. Uh, yes. i watched a couple of innings of some games over the last weekend uh, it's been a rough start for the league as it as you would expect i mean the, the times right. that we live in the team from new zealand opted out of the league because of covid restrictions because if you You've been following the news. New Zealand has no cases of COVID. Like they are out living life as normal. Australia is doing a good job, but there's still restrictions and they, I don't believe they can travel. So the New Zealand team is out for this year. And that was the team that had signed a whole bunch of several former big leaguers. So that was Aww. disappointing. But as I mentioned, the Sydney Blue Sox had signed Manny Ramirez, who, you know, after that last story about Chinjo could only be defined as elderly at this point. <laughs> but in a blow to the league, Ramirez is currently unavailable to play because of an undisclosed medical condition. It is not said to be COVID-related nor life-threatening, but he's just unavailable currently, and there's been no time frame in terms of if he will play or not. So we're wishing, you know, best wishes to, to Manny. We'd love to see him there, but this league... Remember, it only plays a couple of games a week, and it's only about a month and a half long. We'll, we'll right. see. How, how did you access it uh, yourself? Uh, they broadcast their games live on YouTube. So if you oh, right if you, you look up the, the ABL on YouTube, their games are live, or I'm sure you can go back and watch them again. I mean, I hate to mention it. I think uh, our buddy Marshall had something to say to me. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, you know how he is. He, he catches everything. You stated at some point that uh, you were talking about 1908 and the game at the Polo Grounds. The quote was, you're either at the game or listening to it on the radio. And the problem is that was 1908 and the first Major League Baseball radio broadcast wasn't until 1921. Don't see the problem. So, 
Uh, I, I, not sure myself, but uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a heck of a catch. He says you're fined 85 cents. Uh, I thought it was going to be $19.05. I'll take the 85 cents. <laughs> yes, in recognition of the final score of 8 to 5 with the Pirates winner. <laughs> okay. No, that was a that was a that was a good catch. All right, let's get to trivia because we asked a question two weeks ago. Uh, it seems like it's been forever, but and we recorded it a bit before that. So, Mark, I am gonna guess you do not remember what the last question I asked you. So, I'm gonna ask you again. Of course, there's been okay. two iterations of well, there's not been two. There's been two Yankee stadiums. There's what we consider old Yankee Stadium which was christened in 1923 through 2008 and now where the Yankees currently reside, which is called New Yankee Stadium, technically, I guess. My question was, which visiting player hit the most home runs at old Yankee Stadium? So that's 1923 through 2008. Any any yes. wild guesses? I told you, I did give a clue. It was a Hall of Famer. And it was somebody that we have never, to my knowledge, talked about. Yeah, see, uh, the the obvious guesses are someone that's in the same division, you know, played there more often, maybe now, for Boston. Remember, Baltimore. you go back to 1923, especially, though, there was the American right. League and the National League. Yeah. You know, my guess was going to be Cal Ripken Jr., but uh, we've talked about him, so I know it's not him. Way too recent as well. I'll, I'll tell you that. Okay. We did get some. Uh, we did get some responses. None of them were correct. This is, I, I. I feel like this was a good question, and it's somebody like I said we haven't talked about. Hall of Famer Goose Goslin. He oh jeez, yeah. Thirty-two. No Thirty-two home runs. Which that number to me seems low. I would have guessed it would have been would have been higher. Goose Goslin, who I, I was. Doing some reading on him. Again, somebody we haven't talked about. 1928, he won the American League batting crown with a 379 mark. Now, what the, the interesting thing about this is Goslin going into the final game of the season was battling Heine Manouche of the St. Louis Browns for the batting title. And it just so happened that uh, the Senators, who Goslin played for, were playing the Browns in that final series. So the final game comes up and these two are battling it out. It gets down to the final inning of play. Ninth inning, Goslin is due up. He's currently leading. So if he comes up and doesn't get a base hit, he's going to lose the crown. If he gets a base hit or walks or chooses to sit, <laughs> he will win the batting crown. So he's going to sit it out. And his teammates start to give him the what to for, which is pretty cool. Right. They're like, bro, come on, man. Sack up. Get yep. out there. Play so, the game. So he goes out there. He goes up to his at bat in, in the ninth inning right off the bat. Oh, and two takes two called strikes. So he's a little nervous at this point, And he tries to get ejected from the game so that his at bat wouldn't count. So he starts yelling at the home plate umpire and just trying to, I don't think he kicked any dirt, but he's trying to get kicked out. And the umpire tells him, I am not going to toss you. I am also not going to call a ball. So you better get in there and you better look to swing. <laughs> so wow. Goslin ended up and he called it a lucky hit. He threw his bat at it, got a base hit and won the batting title in 1928. 
which that's a it's a great story he's a hall of famer played let's see here a 18 years most of it was with the senators 12 years he also played for detroit and the st louis browns as well he had a hit a really good career as i said a hall of famer and it was a really good defensive outfielder he was uh, one of the he had a great arm if there were gold gloves he would have been winning winning them all right so i got a new question for you this one i think you're i i don't know if you're gonna get i <laughs> that's not a slide at you, but I think some of our listeners will get. We've got some sharp listeners. Which player hit the most home runs after the age of 40? Ooh, Ooh so, that's a good one. Yeah, so think of guys that had long careers, guys that played. I'm going to tell you, it's not Julio Franco, but, you know, guys that played <laughs> long, long like that. Most sure. home runs hit after the age of 40. We will give you the answer to that question next week. All right, so let's uh, let's wrap up, BP. Let's jump right in, Mark. I'm going to go first this week, and we'll see how this. I know you've got a subject. I've got a lot of stuff about a guy that I had never heard of before. So let's go through this, and we'll see how long it takes if uh, if we can get to yours. If not, we've got next week's show already in the can, which is always a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> I want to talk about a guy that, first of all, I'm going to be honest, right off the bat, like I said, I've never heard of. And this guy is also German. And when I say German, I mean real German, like really German, like Oktoberfest German. Every account of this guy where there's been a quote from him, like the entire quote is spelled phonetically because he talks like he's straight out of Hogan's Heroes, like really stereotypical, like that thick German accent. So I can't promise that I won't break into a really bad German accent at some point. If I do... Just do a Sergeant Schultz, man. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of everybody. It's, it's all in fun, and we're just quoting some things I found while researching. Also, I went to several... And I do want to say several websites to find out the proper pronunciation of his last name. And each website pronounced it differently. So I'm going to just go ahead and apologize in advance. So let's talk about Christopher Frederick Wilhelm Vondera. And I'll I'll probably (laughs) say his last name, Vondera, three different ways throughout this story. But... Von der Rott migrated from Germany to the U.S. in 1864 at the age of 17, spent several years in New York City before moving on to St. Louis, where he worked as a clerk in a grocery store. Von der Rott eventually bought the store and expanded it by setting up a saloon in the back, which was very popular, as you can guess. A couple of years in, he noticed that he would draw a really good crowd after the local nine had played. And I call him the local nine because they had no name. Being the businessman that he was, Chris, I don't know why I'm calling him Chris. He's got all these German names, but I'm calling him Chris. Decided that he was going to buy the team. Luckily for him, the team had just filed for bankruptcy. So for the bargain price of $1,800, he was the proud new owner of this local baseball club. He decided to give them a name. He called them the Brown Stockings. Why? They wore brown socks. I have a guess. Yep. I guess that's what you were going to guess. They wore brown socks. They played at Sportsman's Park, and they had uh, just joined the newly formed American Association. Von der has a very big personality. He is well-known around town. He's very magnanimous, flamboyant, 
and again, a really smart and acute businessman. He was a perfect fit for the Upstart American Association, which was kind of like the XFL to the National Football League kind of thing. They just wanted to do things differently. Teams could play outside teams on off days for extra money if they wanted to. There was no reserve clause. So players, if they were released mm-hmm. or traded, you know, it was it was a lot more freer. The umpires who were hired to work games were full-time employees. So that made it a lot less likely that they could be bribed. But the biggest differences between the American Association and the National League was the American Association allowed teams to play on Sundays, one, Two, tickets were only 25 cents versus the 50 cents the National League charged. And probably the most important difference was they sold beer and liquor at their games. Yeah, that's a moneymaker. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> so after his first season as owner, he signed a young first baseman named Charles Comiskey. Wow. That Charles Comiskey. Now, Vondera admitted he knew nothing about baseball. And I mean literally nothing. At one point, he bragged that his baseball diamond was bigger than anybody else's until he was told that, well, you know, the the bases are the same distance everywhere. Comiskey was 23 years old at this point, never managed a team. But he's like, do you want to take over? And he's like, sure. So he is the player manager of the St. Louis Browns at age 23. A couple of seasons later, Comiskey... And Vandera had built this team into a powerhouse. They won four consecutive pennants. Vandera took care of his players really well. He outfitted them in new uniforms, gave them new warm-ups every season, uh, but he did have his ways of making money back from his players. Uh, he insisted that the team stay at his boarding houses as well. He insisted that they only drink from his saloon. Mm-hmm. Some of his players, however, like to play hooky, and they would go across the street and drink at a rival bar. Vandera would sometimes stop by to make sure his players weren't, you know, seeing other saloons on the side. But the players were easily able to avoid being caught because Vandera could easily be spotted under the tavern's short-bottomed Old West-style swinging doors. You know, like when the sheriff bursts through the doors in, in the Western. Those are the best. Yeah, so... His spatted shoes and his ever-present greyhounds, Schnoozer and Schnauzer, those are, those are his names, uh, could be seen crossing the street long before he got to the doors, allowing for plenty of time for his, these players to escape via the back door. Uh, as I've mentioned, Vanderot was more of an entrepreneur than a keen baseball mind. To him, more games meant more business. So when the season ended in 1884, Vanderot hosted an exhibition series between the National League champion Providence Grays and the American Association champs, the New York Metropolitans. This was a big success. He made a lot of money off of this. So the next season, he took his Browns and toured Chicago and played Albert Spaulding's Chicago team. In this series, they played to a tie. I think it was a a five-game series. They played to a tie after Spaulding pulled his team off the field after a call went against his team, Vander Aas suggested that next time the series be played at both teams' home fields, hoping for an even larger gate, and that is exactly what happened. This led to a very interesting series between Chicago and St. Louis that I will talk about another time, because there's enough stuff there for an entire episode 
on how that went down. But to put a bow on it, the Browns won. Spalding was so upset that he refused to pay for his players to get home on a train. Said, you handle it. And uh, Vandera arranged a parade with a big banner that read St. Louis Browns Champions of the World. And many considered this to be the precursor to what we now know as the World Series. Mm -hmm. Sounds like it. So in 1890, a new third league was formed, the Players League. They were able to lure Charles Comiskey away from the St. Louis Browns. More Browns talent eventually started to go elsewhere as well, and Vandera needed to find new ways to draw crowds. He felt that Sportsman's Park had outlived its usefulness and built a new 10,000-seat stadium dubbed, wait for it, New Sportsman's Park. <laughs> Original what a name. name. Yeah. <laughs> Where did he come up with it? Uh, new park or not, fans still did not want to really come and see a losing team, uh, which the Browns had definitely definitely become with Comiskey gone he ran through manager after manager looking for anything that worked between 1894 and 1896 12 different managers headed the club <laughs> so what yeah that's not even the worst of it in in 1895 in a season that I don't even think George Steinbrenner could have even comprehended eight different managers stood in charge in the Browns dugout at some point during that wow. season. So this is, he's that is just, bizarre. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that that has ever been matched at one point, And you'll, you'll, I guarantee you, you're going to love this one. At one point, George Miller was the skipper of the club. He was described as being occasionally sober while in the dugout during a game against the Phillies. Vander was so upset after the Phillies had scored eight runs in one inning that he summoned the official scorer, Harry Martin, to his office during the game. And he ordered uh, Mr. Martin, again, the official scorer, to go down to the dugout and inform Miller that he was heretofore relieved of his duties as manager and that uh, Harry should take over managing the team. The official scorer <laughs> is now managing uh. the team. <laughs> uh, I mentioned Vanderal wasn't much of a baseball mind. Boy, I guess not. Yeah, it didn't stop him from, from getting involved in some player moves. In 1894, he wanted to trade the Browns shortstop Frank Shugart to Louisville for outfielder Tom Brown. Now, I wanted to point out, uh, at this point, Shugart was batting 436. Yeah. Louisville, to nobody's surprise here, was all about making this deal. Uh, Shugart went on to hit 374 for the year, while the return, Tom Brown, hit 217 before being traded away. The Sporting News, they were not fans of Vandera either. They went out of their way to embarrass and discredit him whenever they could, essentially for the purpose of upholding baseball's dignity. For an article about attempts to standardize baseball rules, they quoted him as saying, quote, What do I think of uniformity and scorekeeping? Now, what do reporters want with uniforms on? Are they stuck on the dames? And do they think they want to show off? Let the players wear uniforms, but not their reporters. That was, that was legit audio taken from an interview with him from, uh, from the 1800s. After the season, the Browns had lost a large number of home games due to rainouts. This did not please Vanderop. 
The Sporting News reported that Vandra apparently requested that rainouts be more evenly distributed throughout the league in the future. <laughs> oh, that's easy to do. Yeah. So get on that, will you? Is it Manfred, are you listening <laughs> to this? Baseball was not enough for Vandera, especially when his team started to go down the drain. So he turned to something akin to what the Ricketts have done in Wrigley for the past decade, and they turned the game into merely part of the experience. He is credited with building the first stadium club in the new Sportsman's Park. It was a first-come, first-serve area that was shaded and protected by a wire screen with the largest bar in the stadium. So the few people that did go to these games, that was very popular. He built a log plume ride past the center field fence, complete with a brass band that would play as each group was sent plummeting towards the back of the center field fence in a boat, kind of similar to you know what you would see at Disneyland in that that ride where you go down in the log and yeah splash mountain yeah you know what i gotta say i'd have been all over that action that's good stuff that's fun (laughs) just wait to hear what else he did he uh, he hired indigenous people and cowboys to put on a wild west show around the stadium and finally he built a horse track inside the stadium inside the baseball stadium so the warning track literally was a horse track if there would have been, if there was halftime or something, I imagine he probably would have run horses at halftime of a baseball game. Yes. The stadium, as I mentioned, had a stadium club, but like most stadiums at this time, it lacked a clubhouse for teams. So the Browns would dress in Vanderas saloon and then march down the street to the stadium. Vanderas would lead them in a tall silk hat, his greyhounds by his side as if he was Harold Hill leading a marching band down the streets of River City, Iowa. That, my friends, is a Music Man reference. That's impressive. Uh, Despite his best efforts, he was bleeding money. The team was awful. People weren't coming out no matter what he threw money at. He also was going through women like he did managers. He had many affairs, many divorces, and a lot of settlements on the side to keep things quiet. At one point, Vandera was actually kidnapped by a debt collector who he had skipped out on just one too many times. So he just kidnapped him for some reason. <laughs> that, that was, that was going to do it. Uh, he went to jail at one point for missing payments. and He was actually bailed out by the league. The American Association bailed him out after he promised that he would then retire from baseball <laughs> so they could get rid of him. <laughs> uh, his saloon was debt-ridden and he struggled financially. In 1908, in an act of goodwill, Charles Comiskey, his former star player and manager, staged an exhibition game to raise money for his old boss. And that little nest egg helped Vandera through his final years until he died of cirrhosis of the liver in 1913. Wow. I had never heard of this guy before, but he was he was Bill Vec. He yeah. was um george steinbrenner he was all of these big eccentric larger than life owners a hundred years before they were around i mean not a hundred absolutely before bill that he he was a, a huge personality just did not know anything about baseball it's not that's a requirement it, it, it's interesting that it, the sports business is you know that's why it has the word business in it but uh, in the same manner you know you got to know something about your product i'm sorry but that's just, that's, that's pretty crazy. 
Yeah, and he was very successful when Charles Comiskey was there. And we know Charles Comiskey, what he did after baseball. He he was very successful in baseball as well. You know, I think he was really the, the linchpin to the success of the St. Louis Browns under Vanderaa. Because once he left, it, it just went to pot. Interesting, interesting stuff. Uh, I'd never heard of Christopher Frederick Wilhelm Vanderaa. <laughs> Me neither, but I can't speak a little German. Uh, guten Tag, wie geht es Ihnen? Haben Sie ein Stück Kuchen? So I just said, hello, how are you? Would you like a slice of cake? That was uh, that was a, a little bit longer than it probably should have been. <laughs> but uh, so but I enjoyed it. it Come we're, on. We're going to put we're going to put your subject, which I'm excited about because you're going to talk about and I legitimately have no idea. I know your topic. It's dogs and baseball. And I love dogs right. and I love baseball. I have no idea what you're going to talk about. And you've already told me that Air Bud is not involved. So I legitimately have no <laughs> idea what you're going to talk about. But we're already coming up on, on the time where we usually get into Wax Packs Heroes. So we're going to put that in our back pocket. And and okay. we've already got our next show ready to go, I guess. So, okay, so let's do that, Mark. Let's let's put that uh, away for next week and let us uh, jump into our first installment of Wax Packs Heroes for the new year. Gotta pull a wax pack hero. Stars in his eyes. Hero. All right, Mark. So. We're starting a, a new year, 2021, but we do have uh, we do have standings. Uh, you are currently leaving me in the dust. You've won nine. I've only won six. We have got I've got a bunch of these, and, and they've been fun to look at because they're they're different cards that we haven't seen before. The Leaf set from 1991. So, uh, and this is series one of that Leaf set. So, I've got two packs of those here in my hand. Uh, they are, since they're the same set, it really doesn't uh, matter which one you choose, but I'm going to let you choose anyway if you want the one in my left hand or my right hand. I'm going to go left. Left. All right. I'm going to choose to have you go first because uh, I like All to right. be the home team. Uh, if this is you your... Uh, my pack? I'm not going to steal your pack. No, because they're the same. They're the same thing. I'm just going to I'm just gonna go straight across. Um, if this is your first time uh, with Wax Packs Heroes, we've got a couple of rules. I think today, Mark, we're going to stick with the... Uh, let's stick with the, the war instead of the Beckets for this one. I like the war. Yeah, I, it's been fun. I seem to score higher with the war. So <laughs> let's go with that. Uh, we do have some rules, though, uh, beyond the war for the season. So it would be a war for 1991 for anybody that we pull. If you are sporting a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If it's a particularly good mustache, think Tom Selleck, think uh, Raleigh Fingers, think, you know, Bill Buckner, those kind of mustaches, you're going to get uh, an extra two-tenths of a point of war. If you are wearing real stirrups that we can see, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point. If you are wearing the two-in-ones, which could happen in 1991, we're going to minus a tenth of a point of war because that's that brings the team down. You're going to... Average replacement is going to not wear those. Also, if you're wearing a sweatband with your uh, caricature, your jersey number or a McDonald's uh, Golden Arches logo on it. We're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If you are wearing high tops, uh, we're going to minus a tenth of a point again, because that's just, that's not cool. And then uh, yeah. if you are wearing glasses of any sort, we're going to give you a tenth of a point, because that's going to improve your vision. It's going to help your team. It's going to be above the average. And then finally, if you are a Hall of Famer, we're going to give you a whole one point of war. 
So uh, as I said, Mark, you are currently ahead uh, nine to six in uh, on our leaderboard. So let's go ahead and open up this pack of 91 uh, leaf. Uh, it does come with the puzzle right. pieces. Now these puzzle pieces are much better than the regular Donruss ones. This is gold. There's gold on these here puzzle pieces of uh, Sweet. Of, of killer Harmon Killer Brew. That's uh, I would like to, I would put this puzzle together. All right, nice. Let's start out here. Uh, third baseman for the Chicago Cubs. This is definitely taken in spring training. He's got real stirrups on. That's good news for you. Now, if this was a, if we were doing Beckett, this might score big for you because this is a special gold leaf rookie card, but we're going by war for this year. So I'm not sure what you're going to get from Gary Scott. Gary Scott. Yeah. uh, I I don't recall Gary's. Well, Gary Scott only played for two years in the big leagues. 91 was his rookie year and then 92. He only played for 67 games total. And uh, while this is a gold leaf rookie card in this season, he was actually a minus 0.5 war. Uh, but you do get a uh, you do get an extra tenth because he's got real stirrups on. So you're well, that's helpful. Start off in the minus at, at four. Next pitcher for the Dodgers, Jay Howell. Okay, Jay Howell is a good pitcher reliever. You know, he always seemed to do the job. Uh, Jay Howell pitched in the big leagues for uh, what was it, 15 years. Yeah, and he was a reliever. He pitched for uh, Oakland, the Mets, the Cubs, Dodgers, a whole bunch of people. In 1991, let's look at his year, he had a war of 0.7, so that'll get you in the plus. That'll bring you up to 0.3. Nothing that's going to help you on this card. No mustache, glasses, stirrups, anything like that. Just just plain. Just plain. This is one of our favorites. Third baseman for the San Francisco Giants. He's called the uh, the Big Marine, even though uh, he never served as a, as a Marine. It is Matt Williams. Matt Williams, uh, Gold Glover, I believe, a few times. Several times, yeah. Gold Glover four times. Yeah. And had a lot of power, man. The guy could hit. Yeah, 2001, he was on that Diamondbacks World Series team as well. But yeah, he was, oh, yeah. He was uh, led the league in 1994 with 43 home runs. And then in 1990, with 122, he won the uh, the RBI total as well. Always a good player. And uh, he had a great year in 1991, a 5.5 war. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. good. He's also got real stirrups here. So that will bring you up to 5.9. Big uh, big help there. Managed the Kia Tigers in the, uh, in the uh, Korean League last year. Oh, yeah. Now, here's a guy. This guy, we had, I did a whole story on this guy a couple of shows ago about his uh, venture to the top of the uh, the Wrigley stands across the street in Chicago. It's Tom Browning. <laughs> uh, Tom Browning, uh, lefty reliever, right? Uh, I think he was a starter because he threw a perfect game what at one he? point. Yep. Oh, you're right. You're right. Uh, not a perfect of game. Was it? Yeah, it was a perfect game. Not a no-hitter. It was a perfect game, right? I don't, yes. I don't, I don't want to get nicked again. So I want to be careful. <laughs> Yeah, I believe it was in, and I'm just throwing this out there. You cannot call me on this. I think it was like 88 or 87 that he threw that perfect game for the Reds. But uh, in 1991, he had an okay year. He had a .8 war. Uh, He is wearing real stirrups here, though. So that is going to get you another extra tenth of a point. That'll bring you up to 6.8. Next, uh, member of the Wax Pack book. He was in that pack that Brad Baluchin opened. Uh, here he is, still with the Phillies, infielder Randy Reddy. 
Randy Reddy, geez, yeah, I, that's a Philly through and through, that guy. Did he, did he play for the Padres at one point, too? He came up with the Brewers. Uh, yeah, he did play with the Padres for four years, the Phillies for five years. And apparently he was on the A's in 1992. Uh, but in 91, he was with the Phillies. And uh, let's see what kind of year he had. Uh, he had a pretty good year. Actually, his second best career year, the 1.3 war. Looking at this, this is a good card because he's got real stirrups and he has got those awesome flip down sunglasses. So that'll get oh, you an cool. extra two tenths of a point to go along with that uh, 1.3. So that's 1.5 war for you there. Nice. And that will bring you up to 8.3. Next you get, this is a good card right here. I'm going to guarantee you, you're going to score good with this one. In 1991, it is right fielder for the Atlanta Braves, Mr. Halle Berry, Dave Justice. <laughs> Dave Justice, who played for your A's later in his career. He did and was, uh, I believe he was played in, in Moneyball by Royce Clayton, I want to say. Really? Yeah. I'm fairly certain. Uh, I'll look that up and get back to you next week. I'm fairly certain that Royce Clayton played David Justice in Moneyball. I will have to get back to you. I, 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 okay. I know Royce Clayton. I, I want to say Royce Clayton played somebody in that movie, and I'm fairly certain it was David Justice. But uh, we'll see. 1991, he's coming off. 1990, he was Rookie of the Year, remember? In uh, yes. 1991... He had a 1.6 war, so a little bit, a little bit down. He won two World Series and uh, was the ALCS MVP. I believe that was for the Indians. I believe that was for Cleveland. Nice. Yeah. Let's see. This card is not going to get you anything else other than that war for 1991. So that's going to give you an uh, extra 1.6. And uh, hey, at least it's in the positive, you know, no, you're, uh, I, those are a lot better. Yeah, you're doing good. You're at 9.9 uh, .9 right now. Next, you've got a leaf set insert card. It's not a check list or anything. It's talking about a card set from 1948. So uh, mm -hmm. I'm gonna, I, I don't think leaf had a war this year. So next, oh, this is a good card for you, especially it's the bone. Jay Buhner. Nice. Very nice. Let's see. Jay Buhner in 1991. This was his fourth year in Seattle. He, he did. Boy, for the Yankees, he only played 32 games with the Yankees. Mm -hmm. But when he was traded in 88, he was only hitting a buck 88. And his his on base was 250. So and, and yet Frank Costanza, Frank Costanza is still Frank Costanza can't upset. let it go. Yeah, he cannot let, cannot let it go. Uh, let's see. You're not going to get any extra value from this card, but Bones War was a .6 that year. So that's good. You're you're still chugging along. That's 10.5. Next, I think we've had this guy several times. You're going to get two-tenths of a point for his mustache because Mr. Doug Jones of Cleveland always had a great mustache. Oh, Doug Jones, fireball and closer. Big, big, scary guy. Yeah, and his mustache helped. I'm not going to lie. Oh, man. Hey, that's a Wilford Brumley. I mean, that, that's such a beauty. Yeah. Now, he's got the, the, the two-tenths of a point mustache, but he's also got two-and-one. So that's going to mean it's only ah. going to be a, a tenth of a point mustache. And he did not have a good year. He actually had a minus .4 war. So, oh, man. Yeah. That's going to that's gonna be a minus .3 for you there. You're at 10.2. Next, we've got uh, lefty for the New York Yankees, Lee Guterman, who's always a fun name to say. 
Um, yeah, I remember Lee Gooderman. He, he was a pretty solid pitcher for quite a while. I'll bet you Lee Gooderman could tell us how to say uh, Chris Vanderhaas' last name. He probably could. He sounds like he is probably of German heritage. Played, boy, he played for the Mariners for five years, too. I didn't remember did. that so much. But uh, he did, uh, he had a pretty good year in 1991. A .9 war. Appeared in 64 games, 88 innings. Not bad in 64, hmm. uh, 64 innings or 64 appearances. I'm sorry. Uh, so point nine, he's got a mustache as well. So that's going to get you just a, a, a nice, even uh, one point there on the old war scale. That brings you up to 11.2. All right, let's move on to another guy with a great mustache. Here he is with the Boston Red Sox, Tom Bolton. Tom Bolton. Wasn't he like secretary of state? Uh, no, but he had a string of hits in the uh, in the nineties. Uh, adult contemporary. Nope. Oh yeah, yeah. Nope, that's Michael Bolton. That's right. Uh, also oh, starred yeah, in true. Office Space, but no, that is that is not him. Nineteen ninety one was not a banner year for uh, Mister Bolton. Minus point four WAR. Um, yeah, but he does have a mustache. I can't say that that's a two two tenths mustache. So I'm just going to give you a minus point three. And you seem to be heading in the in the wrong direction here. Yeah, yeah. We peaked or something. Something oh, happened. Yeah, I'm sorry. He does have two and ones as well. So. Ah. <laughs> yeah. Killing me. It's, it's hurting. All right. Now, this is an interesting uh, card here. This is a very young. He's listed as catcher here for the Brewers, BJ Surhoff. And it's weird because he's got a jersey here. You can see the back of his jersey, and there's a, a number but no name on it. So this is, I'm guessing this might be his rookie card. No? Wow. He's actually been in the league like four or five years at this point. So you were close. Yeah, very, very close. Uh, BJ Surhoff, let's see, in 1991. It just looks weird without the name on the back. Uh, had a pretty good year, 289 batting average. No power to speak of, 372 slugging. Let's see, he was still catching at this point. And his war right, was he came a, up as a catcher. Yeah, he was uh, not a bad year. One point six. So you're finally heading in the right direction. Next, this guy, uh, one of my favorites, especially when he was on Oakland. Here he is with Texas. It is uh, Mr. Ruben Sierra. Uh, you gotta love Ruben Sierra. Dude could hit. He's just a pure hitter. Had power. Could hit for average. Good eye. Had that Ruben batting stance where his like his his feet would be kind of close together and his bat was kind of it was almost up in a Julio Franco like waving above his head kind of thing. Yep. But, yep. But he played for a lot of teams, and for a long time he played for twenty years in the big leagues. He retired in two thousand and six at the age of forty. Wow. Uh, Nineteen. How many career home runs? Uh, career home runs three hundred and six. Not bad. Yeah, so 1991, a pretty good year. He hit 307, 25 home runs, 116 RBIs, and was an all-star. So I think you're going to score pretty big here. He had a 5.1 war. He's got real stirrups, and he's got a mustache. So that's going to be a 5.3 for you. That's that's a good good haul for Rubo. You know, I don't need a whole pack, man. I just need Matt Williams and Ruben Ruben Sierra. How about Dave Bergman of the uh, Detroit yeah. Tigers? Now, yeah, he's third on my list. <laughs> now, legitimately, though, if I just looked at this and didn't see his name, I might think that this is Tom Selleck. Remember when Tom Selleck would go to spring training with the Tigers? 
Yeah, I remember that. If if Selleck hit left-handed, this could legitimately be him. He's got the the two tenths of a of a war mustache, and he's got real stirrups. Nice. He's got the eye black. This just looks like Tom Selleck in Mr. Baseball. Very nice. Nice. Uh, let's see. In yeah. 1991, though, he was. Uh, le- Mostly a, a first baseman. This is at the end of his career. He was 38 years old. Wow, he played till he was 39. Uh, only wow. hit 237. Uh, had an OPS of 758. That's okay. Uh, let's see what his war was. It was a .8 war. He's got the uh, the two tenths mustache and real stirrups though, so that'll get you a 1.1 war on that. So it was just a little bit out of that one. Yeah, that's not bad. And then, oh no. This, why do you always get my favorite? I mean, it's not Ricky Henderson, but your final card is my favorite catcher of all time. It is oh, Steinie? Terry Steinbach. Man, I love Terry Steinbach. Yeah, he was absolutely, I loved him. He was great. This, uh, this picture looks like it's in spring training. He's got just his catcher's helmet on, but turned around with batting gloves and a bat. You know, because there's no ear flaps and he always right. had ear flaps, but he would wear, you know, there's no ear flap helmet when he was catching. It's a good looking card, at least for me. I, I like it. Obviously, Steiny was on that 89 World Series team. He was also the World, uh, the World Series. He was also the all-star MVP in 1988. Remember that? It was. Let's see. In 1991, Steinbach uh, hit 274, six home runs. Uh can you believe Steinbach had 35 home runs in 1996? I mean, that's around this really? time when everybody hit 30 home runs. We had 35 home runs at 529 slugging percent in 1996. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let's see what Steiny uh, did war-wise in 1991. It was a 1.7. Not bad. Uh, nothing I'll else. I'll take that. Yeah, nothing else on this card is going to get you anything. But that's a 20.5 war. So, not bad yeah that's that's pretty good that's a good pack plus you got you got steinbach so all right yeah this is true let's jump into mine i got some i got some work to do lest i give you double digit wins i got another puzzle piece mine is silver but still i would i would <laughs> really like to see these uh really like to see these uh what this card ends up as all right I am leading off with now this just looks wrong because he's not in an expos uniform he's in a cardinals uniform it is our buddy Bryn Smith. Oh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I kind of remember him as a Cardinal. I, I only remember him as an expo, as he should be. Big red. Well, yeah, it. sure. With the beard and mustache. He's also got real stirrups, so that's good. Let's see what he did in 1991. He went 12-9. and nine. No, I'll take that. Uh, that Not equates bad. to a war of 1.0, plus the, uh, the mustache and the stirrups. So uh, that'll start me out at 1.2. I'll take that. I started in the negative. Yeah, yeah. So I'll take that. Next, did you, you didn't have a Hall of Famer, did you? That's nope. that's rare when we don't get a Hall of Famer. Next uh, pitcher for the Chicago Cubs, Sean Bosky. Wow, that's I'm drawing a blank on that name. I remember that name. I, I mean, this was this was prime. Come home from school and flip on WGN for the last couple of innings of of Cubs games for <laughs> me. Uh, Sean Bosky pitched for nine years. I think a lot of it. Yeah, five years was with the Cubs. 1991, four and nine. Not that good. He's a reliever, though. Or no, I checked that. He started 20 games. He actually, you know what? He started a good deal of his career. For some reason, I thought he was a reliever. 
Um, that equates to a minus 0.6 war, and I'm not going to get any help on the cards. So, Ouch. Yeah, so that uh, that's that's not good uh, for me. That takes me back down to 0.6. Next, we get first baseman at this point. First baseman outfielder for the Braves, Tommy Gregg. Tommy Gregg. Man, I, I, I'm... Is not 1991 seems to be a blank spot for you here on my pack. Yeah, I, maybe it's 91. It's just, uh, you know, I was maybe doing too much acid. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember him because after I'd get home and watch those Cubs games, uh, I would then uh, flip over to TBS for the uh, start of the Braves games. But, I uh, thought you were going to say, and then I would drop acid. <laughs> uh, 91, he hit 187. So I'm not expecting a lot here from Mr. Tommy Gregg, a minus 0.6 war, and he's got two and one, so that's a minus 0.7. I am now, Ouch. yeah, I, I am now in the minus. Wow, after a promising start. Uh, next, we've got, uh, this guy was around forever, also played for the Braves eventually, but here he is with the Expos, Delino DeShields. Oh, one of the fastest guys I've ever seen. Yeah, and his son, uh, son's been playing. Uh, I think he's still in the big leagues, Delino DeShields Jr. I think he played... See, what did, was he the one that played for the, the Rangers for a while? Yeah, the Rangers, and then he was with Cleveland last year. Uh, Delano DeShields in 1991, still a young guy, 22, only his second year in the big leagues, led the league in strikeouts with 151. So wow. I got that going for me. Still got a 1.5 war, though. So I'll take that. Stole 56 bases. Wow. And he's got a mustache. So that's uh, 1.6. I remember Delino when uh, he was with the when he was with the Braves, and I, I he might still do it. He sponsored a wood bat league for high schoolers in the Atlanta area. Oh wow! So hopefully no he still does that. Next, we've got oh this is a great card. Uh, it is shortstop for the Rangers. It's Jeff Hewson. Uh, the card though has got Daryl Hamilton sliding into second base, and Hewson is in the air, having just released the uh, the throw. No doubt to first base. That's a great looking card. I don't know how much Jeff Houston is going to get me, but props for the card. Uh, Jeff Houston this year, 1991. I have got the lightest hitting team I have ever seen. 213, (laughs) a slugging of 287. (laughs) Ouch. Wow. Yeah, but he's still still, uh, equated to a 1.0 war. Uh, I believe, you should consider yourself lucky. Yeah, but he's got he's got some two and ones going on there. So, ah, boo. So that's going to get me up to two point four. All right, I got a Hall of Famer, and he's on the Oakland Athletics. So suck it. It is. <laughs> it's our buddy Harold Baines. Oh, he is a Hall of Famer. You bet. He is pure hitter. So let's see. Harold Baines, uh, of course, has a mustache. That's all. I'm going to get extra points besides the Hall of Fame. War here in 1991. I think this was his, uh, yeah, this was his first full year with the A's. Hit 295, not bad. A slugging of 473. He hit 25, all right, check that, 20 home runs, had 90 RBIs, and was an all star. So uh, I'm going to get some good points here. 2.9 war. Got the one for being a Hall of Famer, so that's 3.9. And then the mustache, so that's a plus four war for me. Ouch. Yeah, I'll take that. I'm still a ways off the pace here. Now, here's a guy I do not remember. He is a catcher for the California Angels, John Orton. John Orton. I thought he was in the WWF. 
I think that's Randy. That was Cowboy Bob Orton. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Sorry. yeah. See, you went with the senior. I went with the, with the junior there. That's, that's right. <laughs> very nice. Uh, I, I don't remember him. I don't either. He played for five years. All of it was with the Angels, and uh, he did not do much. 1991, did have a .2 war, and he does have real stirrups. So he'll, at least he's not hurting me. I'm at 6.7. Next, we've got outfielder for the Twins. It is Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz on the Twins in 91. Yeah. I'm not remembering him either. Uh, no, the, I am. <laughs> my acid must be starting to kick in. He played for seven years in the big leagues, six of which was with Minnesota, and then he finished up with Oakland in 96. Only 34 mm. games. But uh, 1991, a 283 average, not bad. A slugging of 500. He's wow. only 151 plate appearances, but uh, 26 ribs and, and seven home runs. Wow, he had double-digit home runs for four years in a row and then retired, wow. or at least was out of baseball, at age 27. So I'm assuming maybe injury. But uh, 1991, yeah. a .3 war, and he's got real stirrups and a mustache. So that's a .5. So next, I have got not a Hall of Famer yet. He could be a Hall of Fame manager. The manager of my Oakland Athletics, it's Bob Melvin. Here he is with the Orioles. Bob Melvin. Now he was a catcher, right? Yep. Most and, most uh, managers were. <laughs> we have we we have talked about um, how catchers are kind of the new ultimate managers because of their ability to know pitching and hitting. Yeah, you know, uh, so it makes sense. You know, I want to say though, I, I most of the new young managers were not catchers at all. It's kind yeah. of I I think it's kind of uh, swinging the other way now. But uh, Bob Melvin, obviously, yeah, a catcher. Uh, okay, you're hit two fifty three oh seven slugging. I'm going to be lucky if I break even here. He was a minus two war and uh, he's a catcher. So we know he had real stirrups, but I can't see him. So that sucks. Yeah. Next manager, uh, son of a manager, second generation player, Brian McRae here with the Royals. Oh yeah. I think he does. Uh, Brian McRae. I think he does was work he with, with the, MLB the Royals uh, network now. Uh, well, he was with the Royals the, the longest for five years. Uh, never with Baltimore. He was with the New York, the Cubs, Colorado, and Toronto. Hmm. This was his second year in the big leagues. Hey, okay, 660 OPS, an 82 OPS plus. Let me take that back. Uh, let's see. He did equate to a .6 war. He's got a mustache, and he's got real stirrups, though. So that'll get me a .8. So I'm almost halfway to your score with just a couple of cards left. Not, you need a miracle, you know, a Hail Mary here. Yeah, Wrong not, sport. not looking good. Uh, oh, and, well, this guy is not going to help me out. Uh, pitcher, he was a closer at one point for the Mariners. I remember him giving up just grand slam after grand slam after grand slam as a closer. It's Mike Schooler. Oh, man. He was yeah, awful. Yeah, I remember that too, man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Mike Schooler was in the big leagues for six years, most of it. Five of it with the Mariners. And uh, yeah. let's see, it was 19, 1991 was not his just awful year. He ended up with a 3.67. He was not closing. He had seven saves, but he was not closing that year. Uh, let's see, what did uh -oh. he do? 1991, that is a 0.6 war. He does have real stirrups, though, so 0.7. My team is just average here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this guy will so probably far. help me out here with Cleveland. 
third base at this point for Cleveland. He went on to the Mets, where I think he played second base. Carlos Baerga. Carlos Cheese Baerga. Yes. He was a perennial all-star. I, I mean, Carlos Baerga was, especially because Cleveland had good teams for a good good bit of time in the, in the 90s. He was a, how many times? Three times all-star, two times silver slugger. Yeah. 1990 wow he was only 22 years my whole team is a second year guys uh <laughs> he had 288 slugged 398 so not that great uh let's see what we got war wise he was a 3.2 war he's got a mustache but he's got real stirrups as well so i'm just gonna get the 3.2 but uh, 3. i'll take two that. Back. yeah that might be my biggest card yet yeah, that's 11.7 with three cards left next uh, here he is with the yankees it is Steve Sachs. Steve Alto Sachs. Very nice. Good second baseman. You know, sometimes. I had a little issues with his throwing <laughs> yeah. on occasion. But, uh, yeah, sometimes. Uh, much better offensively <laughs> than defensively. We'll, we'll say that. He yeah. was Rookie of the Year in 1982. Of course, that was with the Dodgers. Spent most of his career with the Dodgers. And as all, you know, former good players uh, finished his career with seven games in Oakland. In 1991, <laughs> this was uh, his third. He was 31 years old. Not He hit 304 and slugged 414. Wow. Uh, that's not bad in 158 games. Let's see what we got here. That equates to a 4.2 war, and he's got real stirrups. So that's 4.3. I'll take that. I'm making a late charge. With two cards left, I am four. Uh, let's see. I am 4.5 war away. You You are the little engine that could. Yeah, let's see if these last two guys can put me over the hump. I don't think this first guy is going to help a whole lot. Left-hander for the Boston Red Sox, Matt Young. Matt Young. I do remember Matt Young. I am not. I remember Kurt Young, obviously. Uh, Matt Young, I am not remembering a whole lot about. Uh, He was on that 89 World Series team uh, with Oakland, apparently, though. I don't know. How how would I not remember? Maybe vaguely remembering. I don't know how I would completely forget somebody that was on the 89 A's. But in 91, he was with the Red Sox. Uh, went 3-7 and seven with a 5.18 ERA. Not holding out hope here. That equates to a minus .2 war, and he's wearing 2-1s. Boy. So it's down to my uh, my final card here. I need, I need a big Hall of Famer, and I'm not going to get it. I'm going to get Mike Devereaux who we've had several times recently, uh, probably the same season too. Let's see, Mike Devereaux in 1991, 260, 431 slugging. And that uh, equals a, a 4.9 war. What? But he's got two and ones. <laughs> uh, he usually had a mustache, but he definitely does not in this picture. And you know what that does, Mark? That pumps what? my total up to 20.5, which is exactly what your total was. Wow. We have our first ever extra inning ball game here. Now, what do we do? We don't well, have rules for this, do we? we? Yeah, we have discussed this in the past, and we just never had to do it. So, what we do here in extra innings, this is exciting. We go back and we take our best card from each of our packs. And uh, it used to be value wise, but well, how how about this? Since we've done war, do we want to look it up and back it? Look up uh, just the one card? Our best card, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So I think that makes sense. Who, who, do you, who would you say your best card is? You got Dave Justice, you got Matt Williams. 
You've also, you could risk it and go with this Leaf Gold rookie Gary Scott. No, that's true. I think those are your best cards. So you've got a Ruben Sierra, but again, if we're looking at value here, you're going to want to think about that. Yeah, I think I think you're right on the uh, gold rookie card. I don't have anybody that's like, a, I mean, Williams was great, but I don't have anybody that's like a major superstar that could. Yeah, you, you know, don't have a Hall of Famer. You, you've got some solid players yeah. and you've got a, and on the back of these packs, it says, Look for randomly packed gold leaf rookie cards. Collect all 24. Hmm. You could go with an established. Now, Justice was in his second year. Ruben was in the middle of his career. Matt Williams was in the middle of his career. Gary Scott, the gold leaf rookie. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Gary Scott. Okay. Let's look it up. Uh, well, here, before we look it up, let, let me choose mine. I think I am... Uh, see, Harold Baines isn't going to... Yeah, Harold Baines isn't going to be worth anything. I don't think I have a single card of anybody that's going to be worth anything. Hmm. I'm going to have to go with Baines, and, and he's probably going to be a common. I just don't hmm. I don't have anybody that's going to give me any value in Beckett. Uh, let's see what yours is, because I'm, I'm really interested to, uh, to see. It is uh, BC4. Well, that card, my friend, is worth $2. Oh, I think whoa. he definitely made the right choice. Score. Yeah, my Harold Baines. Yeah, it's a common. Yeah, I got I got nothing. Wow. So it was uh, our first time to like try out those rules. All right. So yeah. Well, congratulations. That was still exciting, even though I lost. It was. It was. That was that was good. Very exciting. Uh, so that bumps your win total up to ten. I am still stuck on six. So uh, you seem to be pulling away. But uh, congratulations on that. Let's start to wrap up the uh, the podcast. Thank you for listening to us each week. You can find us on social media. We are on both Twitter and Instagram. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at T-W-O Strike Noise. We also have a YouTube channel, and we've got some new content going up there, and we're going to have some new content in the very near future as well. Please check it out if you haven't already. I've, I've posted it on social media. I've been doing a little sleuthing on some pictures and uh, it's something that I do for fun, and hopefully other people will find it amusing as well, where I take a picture. In the f our first case, I took a picture of Ricky Henderson, and he's leading off of a base, and you can just see a glove and a ankle of, the, of a fielder. And I was able to figure out the date of the game, even the inning of the game in which that took place. And you can watch the video and see how I figured that out. It's just being a baseball geek. It's fun stuff to do. Uh, I've got some other stuff that we're going to put up there as well. So be sure to check out our YouTube channel. That link will be in the show notes, or you can just search for Two Strike Noise on YouTube as well. Mark, they can also send us uh, emails. Yes, if you want to electronically mail us. Uh, we have one of those cool electronic mail addresses, and that would be two strike noise. That's not the number two. Spell out T W O strike noise at gmail.com. All right. So, yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, we appreciate everybody again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for your answers on the trivia questions and reaching out to us on social media. We appreciate it. And we will see you back again next week. You already know what one of the topics is going to be. So, if you That's are right. an animal lover like I am, and Mark is, we've got four dogs between us and several cats. So uh, be sure to join <laughs> us. And uh, until then, we will see you on the next episode of Two Strike Noise.
Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 